0: Intertextual Cardboard Experience. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Intertextual Cardboard Experience. Uh, today we have Liz Davidson, teacher, podcaster for Beyond Solitaire, video reviewer and YouTube channel with the same name, rules consultant, game designer. Am I missing anything? Um,
1: One of my students once called me teacher of Latin, destroyer of dreams. I guess we could add that.
0: Okay. So, I <laughs> if if we ever do this again, I will add Teacher of Latin Destroyer of Dreams. I'm putting it on my document. <laughs> that is perfect. I've
1: been in my email signature for a while actually.
0: <laughs> I I don't think I've ever gotten anything that epic. So, <laughs> I would I would own that for sure. But uh I am A huge fan of like all your work I mean listening to your podcast checking out your reviews Uh, and and honestly a lot of what you're doing was an inspiration to some of the things that I was trying to kick around and work on when thinking about uh, this podcast and just some of the things that I'm interested in in the the board gaming space so thank you so much.
1: No I really appreciate that like as you know now that you've started a podcast I think that the the thing that you really want when you start a podcast or a channel is for somebody out there to listen to what you're saying, just anybody. And so knowing that there's at least one person that listens to the podcast and likes it. Yes. So.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I, it's, it's interesting. Like you said, I, I want to, I want to be able to engage with people and I want, and I know, I mean, you're doing these super uh, unique and, academic interviews and and kind of working with people in different spaces of the hobby that people say if you're going to bgg or just checking out a a video review of a game or, or whatever that might be that people don't necessarily think of as kind of like surface level hobby and you're like diving deeper and having these conversations but it's also like like you said a conversation with uh, the audience as well, and I—I'm just like I said, I'm fascinated by the, the the people you talk to, the questions that you've come up with, and like the discourse that you've started. So,
1: no, it's much appreciated, and it's a discourse that there's there's always room for more people. Yes, like, the hobby is one big conversation, at least in my opinion. So,
0: yeah, the more, yeah, the yeah. more the merrier. The more, the more people that can be a- like, a part of the conversation, the more people who want to be a part of the conversation and feel welcome, like, that's just, it's a beautiful, well, like, it can be a beautiful thing. <laughs> um. Well, cool. So, yeah, like, I just wanted to kind of get that, that preface uh, out of the way, but I have set up for, for the start of this interview, I basically took a bunch of questions, I have a, a you know, a document, but I, I didn't just have a document, I turned it into A google form as as you are a teacher and i guess google forms or whatever platform you're working on is well it's a staple uh is it is it for you do you use google forms
1: all the time i love google forms
0: (laughs) i i like data more than most english teachers probably uh do or at least i like data for the things i like but i've got a google form i'm not gonna project it on the screen the whole time but I'm just going to show you that I'm not making this up. It says beyond solitaire PD.
1: Is it podcast discussion or professional development?
0: Ah, ha, ha, ha. Oh, that's perfect. I honestly like didn't I didn't come up with the best hypothetical <laughs> uh, scenario as to why you have to fill out this Google form with me today. So we'll, <laughs> we'll call it a a PD PD. I'll add an extra one so. Pod uh, podcast discussion professional development, but I'll <laughs> I'll stop sharing that one. Okay, so I've got a bunch of questions, and to start, there's there's a set that goes from you know strongly agree to disagree. So strongly agree, agree, neutral, disagree, and strongly disagree. Um, they all have an explanation portion, so you don't need to just answer agree and have that be that but but yeah we'll get to it i think i think some of the things that we kind of discussed uh talking about in like that idea of like balance difficulty conversations uh, these are just some things that i was thinking about when listening to uh, a lot of your more recent podcasts and i i just think we'll have some fun talks based on some of the things here so yeah fire away okay first one i have is just a statement so in most contexts, when i meet somebody i tell them my profession is a teacher
1: oh yeah actually my boyfriend makes up he makes fun of me for how often i do that i very often tell people that i'm a teacher um i think that i mean first of all it's all i do all day so you probably want to know like why does this person know so many teenagers i promise it's not creepy <laughs> oh, No, <laughs> um but you know um I- i'm really proud of what i do it brings me suffering sometimes because being a teacher is really hard. Um, but I also take a lot of pride in being one. And I think that I do something that is important day to day. And so I tell people about it because I'm proud to be doing it.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I was, I mean, with with the the handful plus of titles that, that I started the introduction with, with, I was just curious, you know, as you're doing uh, more and more, in the board gaming space like how many times opportunity uh kind of presents itself for you to say i'm a i'm a game designer or i you know i have uh board game channels and podcasts and everything like that
1: Ooh, you know more and more over time saying that i'm a board game designer is new because i i have one design and then i have some other things that i'm working on uh quietly um (laughs) uh but you know i don't fully adopt that label just yet but I think that's more of a me being hesitant thing than like a reality thing if that makes sense. I do tell people sometimes about my channel my podcast I'll admit I do sometimes still feel embarrassed to tell people about it who are outside of the industry because I mean I make a I make something about solo board games board games that you play by yourself that is something that is so alien to the average person who like play Monopoly or the game of life and then they don't do any of that anymore. Uh, And they think that board games are maybe something that nerdy people just do with their friends. Maybe it's maybe they only know about D&D now, Um, you know, talking about, yeah, I have this. uh, So but however, because my scholarly work such as it is, I would call I would call what I do public scholarship uh, in my gaming life have mixed so much. Um, I've actually put in professional development requests this year for things like I'm going to go give um, a little panel at Bowdoin in April uh and it's going to be about roman the roman empire and games and what's so funny about that is i asked for professional development hours instead of having to take a personal day and i got it but my admins were like what (laughs) And it was like okay so okay so like uh i'm like a d-list celebrity at board game conventions (laughs) (laughs) uh and sometimes i talk to professors about board games and it's turned into An invitation to a university, to a college to talk. Um, So you know, it's really funny they they are cool with it. It's very I adapt a lot of games for my classroom and stuff like that. I'm definitely a game person, but it's weird that those those paths in my life have started to cross more often. I used to keep them pretty strictly separate, and now it's impossible to fully separate them. Um, But people have been cool with it so far. You know, they maybe I get some weird looks about she does what, but. I mean, you know, it's not like I'm embarrassed by what I do. I think that my my hobby is awesome, and I love that it intersects with my professional life in so many ways. But you know, getting people ready for that is a trip.
0: That's really cool. the The part about the connections and how I mean, obviously, you know, as a teacher, having the opportunities to you know incorporate games in your classroom or tweak designs and do whatever and that's that's a lot of what you you know talk to a lot of your guests uh, about. And, and some of the ideas or simulations or programs that, uh, you know, you and your guests discuss, I mean, that blows, blows my mind just because I think, I think when people think like, oh, like I played a game in class, like it, it could be about as basic as it gets or, but, but we like, you know, that that's not what the people you're talking to are doing. And that's not what. Uh, you're doing either. So,
1: Although that said, there's a lot to say for very simple games in class. You know, my neighbor is also a gamer. We have adjoining classrooms and he's also a Latin teacher. And so we've been having a great time this year. Um, But I adapted Green Team Wins for classroom use and he started using it. And so we're just kind of refining it for our own classes and our students. So, you know, something as simple as a party game can make it into your classroom and be awesome. And it doesn't have to be some highfalutin thing. Like kids just want to know who who likes what the most
0: (laughs) yeah green team wins all we're 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 spoiling future uh pd questions but that's that's one of the games that was on my mind just kind of for like you said as like an icebreaker that that fosters like fun and and goofy conversations and i i kind of did that as like a break game over a longer uh creative writing course i was teaching over the summer where we were there for like four hours so occasionally we'd just take a little break and maybe i'd I'd pitch some sort of connection to to creative writing for the games we're playing sometimes there was a very loose loose reach sometimes we were just hanging out and getting to know each other but like the kids when we play that like they would talk about you know like a this or that or best of three for like 10 minutes i'm like oh okay well we can uh we can move on to the next question <laughs> <laughs>
1: There's nothing people like to talk about more than themselves. So if you could teach, if you give kids the tools to do it in Latin, they will talk about themselves in Latin. It's yeah. good times.
0: It's fascinating. Like I, yeah, I didn't have to worry about the like teaching it in another language. It was just me wanting to kind of hang out and play some games, but, but yeah, like, yeah, I, I do think that, like you mentioned, there is a place for uh, games that are a little uh, simpler. It doesn't need to be anything. kids, like games kids like doing different things and and as you mentioned they they like talking about themselves too so just figuring out the best pathways is is a good idea yeah absolutely cool um question number two in the strongly agree to strongly disagree range is i am where i expected to be in the board gaming space when i started beyond solitaire
1: disagree i have no idea where that was going i i started my channel again like i think that people do these things because they want to communicate solo gamers are unique i think among the board game communities because we like to game alone but then we like to go talk about it and i would say that solo gamers talk about their game experiences to each other more than any other subset of gamers and i can't prove it it's just a hunch right now but i bet if you collected data uh, you would find something about me up um <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I started it just because I wanted to review games and, you know, I'd seen some Ricky Royal videos and I thought I'm a teacher. I could teach games too, you know, and I still do those things, but I never expected to start my podcast. I never expected to become a game designer. I never expected games to come into my classroom in the way that they have. You know, I always was interested in sponsoring game club and like playing games with the kids, but that is not the same thing as trying to use games for pedagogical purposes and so you know just following the natural path of what interested me has led me in so many cool directions uh, that i never really anticipated and that i'm really grateful for um so you know did my channel get as big as the dice tower or like did i i don't know um make $7,500 $7,500 a video for subscription. No kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, uh, I'm broke and I'm a teacher and you know, my channel is maybe a month out from 13 K, which I actually am amazed by. I've been at it since 2017 and there are people who grow faster and there are people who grow slower and you know, all those sorts of things. But for me, what's really been the best is I did not expect to love the other gamers that I've met as much as I do. I've really found my people to a degree that is just really heartwarming and wonderful for me. I could not give it up at this point. Um, and my podcast, you know, I'm really grateful for it because when I left academia to go into high school teaching, like leaving academia is like getting a divorce. There are people who are like, yeah, you go girl, leave him. And there are people who are like, Oh, I would never, Oh, I would never leave the Holy shrine (laughs) of academia. Um, you know, there are people who don't know if they should feel sorry for you or happy for you. And it, it's kind of a traumatic experience, honestly. And my podcast was kind of a way to get back to that part of myself, but also honor who I've become since leaving the ivory tower. And I really feel happy with that. And now that I've started to design games, I think that that's just the natural next step, right? You know, it's using what I can do with games to talk about history and to talk about, you know, somewhat tricky subjects sometimes, but in a different medium than I would have expected
0: yeah well there's there's like a, a lot to unpack uh, with your response but yeah that makes like a ton of sense. I mean I kind of expected that you didn't expect for for everything that you're doing to have happened but uh, kind of what you you know talked about with the initial like bringing games in your classroom the different things that you're doing the the connections have, At least to me, kind of not seem seamless, like obviously it's a ton of years and a ton of work, but the way that they have like flowed into each other is, I think it's great. And, and I'm, I'm happy uh, with kind of like where, where you're at and that it has hopefully kind of like exceeded those expectations.
1: Yeah, I think what exceeds my expectations the most is that other people do seem to respond. I mean, based on the BGG Awards in the last year of the like Golden Geeks, my podcast was the second best podcast of last year. <laughs> Got runner-up. And, you know, that was the same day I ran an episode about, it was a great conversation with Josh Hartman about Puerto Rican poetry and classical reception. And the fact that people will actually listen to and then vote for something that is that nerdy just i mean even among board gamers ah so happy like just again like you just want to be listened to right it's a conversation people don't want to just talk to an empty room
0: yeah it's it's it's, the things you make and and again i hope the the interview is still you know conversation and not just gushing but it is a very uh unique avenue and you know it's obviously a, a passion project like the Things that you're doing, the people you want to talk to, and the topics that you want to talk about are are the topics that you want to talk about, and and that the people uh, that you want to interview are experts in as well. But I think it's very evident that the like level of a commitment and and just like your interest in all the topics is you know thoroughly researched and and just lovingly cared for.
1: Yeah, although what's funny is again, like things that look like they came together seamlessly often really do not. I, uh, the reason that my podcast operates in 20 episode seasons is because I did not know if I could find more than 20 people who wanted to be on the podcast. I like planned for it to possibly be a short run and not work. And then (laughs) here we are, like episode 120 something right now. (laughs) But you know, I had no idea. I was just doing what felt good at the time. And You know, I'm a very Type A person and and a planner in many aspects of my life, but I also really believe in trusting your gut. And if you just really want to do something, um, and you're not going to be hurting anybody, you should do it. Um, You know, it's it's the podcast has developed, and I've developed like through doing it, and so everything seems really natural because I let nature take its course. But I don't think that the Liz that recorded the first episode in 2020 would have expected the podcast to be where it is now in 2023.
0: Yeah. That's uh, a funny point too, that you said your initial season that you kind of broke it up into 20 to get, you know, get the guests and then, you know, maybe like take, take a pause and everything like that. I mean, as, as I mentioned earlier, there are elements of your podcast that have been, you know, inspirational to me. And that's kind of how, I'm seeing uh, me operate it, too, is that, you know, I I obviously want to talk to people that I have, you know, some connection to. I mean, obviously, before we started talking now, you know, our connection was, you know, you doing your work and me uh, consuming that work and enjoying it. But like a lot of my my research for the well, you're now my third guest has just been like inherent. Like I have watched your videos, I've listened to your podcast and and same with the uh, people before me, like John, I've played his games, and you know Taylor, I've watched uh, Taylor's videos and everything like that. So, I mean, I guess the the research element of it for me was was kind of simple. Like I didn't have to do a ton of extra work because I'd already you know done it. Uh, but I guess I hope, I hope to be able to kind of like chunk it off in the seasons. And, and I mean, 127 is a huge number. If I get anywhere uh, close to with that, with this, I would be delighted because that just means that I got to talk to, you know, 127, uh, unique people or, you know, 90 people and, and some of them more than once or whatever that might be. Like, I just think that'd be like a really fantastic evolution as well.
1: Oh yeah. And I th- I actually, I'm a big believer in the season structure. I'm so glad that I did it that way. The break is crucial. I actually never want to take it because I love doing my podcast. It's my favorite. Uh, but the, the nightmare for me is feeling strung out and feeling like I have to get a guest. I have to get a guest. I have to do something for next week. I just have to make something happen. Like that is not how this podcast is treated and it never will be like the, that my podcast is my baby and I do not like to feel desperate for content. I like to feel like I have time to get the interview I want and to talk to the people that I want and to um, be picky. And so, you know, giving myself that space has been really, really great. The podcast is the only thing that I make that I don't burn out on periodically uh, for that exact reason.
0: That's perfect. It seems like a, a perfect approach and just to keep that that balance and, and find like everything and making it work uh, within the scope of your podcast. All right, I don't want this question to be too redundant because I think with that last question, you know, it was clear that where you started and where you are now, obviously different, but that said, in terms of like planning and everything like that, uh, the next question or statement is this, within board gaming, I have an idea of where I'll be in two years.
1: I actually think I do have an idea where I'm gonna be in two years and I might be wrong but I think that now that I've started designing I think that it's going to cause a major sea change in the kinds of things that I make and the pace at which I can make them Um, because design takes a lot of time and I will tell you that other than the podcast it is the board game activity that I like the best Um, I really enjoy reviewing games I like being a critic I like playing other people's games and kind of breaking them down and thinking about them uh, but it's the larger conversations that get into the meat of the game and what it's trying to say that interests me. So my podcast, and it's I I've, I've really enjoyed trying to become part of the conversation myself, and that would be design. Um, I really hope that in two years that that has come to more significantly dominate the time I spend on board games, but it's also going to really impact, I think, um, how much time I can spend doing reviews and tutorials. And I'm going to have to think about what that's going to look like on my channel over the next couple of years. Like, I don't think I'll ever stop doing those things completely, but I do think that my time might have to go somewhere else. And so I want to keep my channel. What does that mean? My videos will look like. I don't, I don't really know. Um, but I think that it'll look different.
0: Yeah, that, that seems extremely fair, especially with, you know, the amount of podcasts that you're doing, uh, the, the podcast design. stays. Yeah the the podcast stays. The channel <laughs> the channel is going to stay. Quite I mean not not question mark but it's going to stay. What what it becomes might be a little different. But then you're going to be designing, teaching, uh, working and and living life and and that is kind of an intricate balance which uh, will dovetail into this uh, next statement and. Hmm, on the surface, I'm not trying to be overly personal. I can I can answer this question too, uh, but it just says I maintain a manageable balance with all of the different things I'm working on.
1: Ooh, um, sometimes, not consistently. I have bottlenecks that are really really bad. I do have relatively healthy work habits, but it's because I'm willing for things not to get done right now, and things can wait. Uh, I've absolutely gone on hiatus for my channel before. Um, I absolutely do not bring home work from school. It stays at school. I really tighten when I meet with clubs and stuff after school, because I absolutely refuse to give up too much of my soul to, uh, (laughs) to my job, even though I love the kids, I absolutely love them, but they will take all the time you have and more if you give it. And so I draw really strong boundaries between my work and my personal lives. And I also do make sure that I have time for my personal life. So, you know, I have a boyfriend and two cats and a lizard and we live a happy life. And, you know, I make sure that we do things like go to baseball games and, you know, baseball season's ending. We have minor league hockey tickets. Um, We go to the aquarium. We go to the symphony. Like, all of our money for dates and stuff is spent on making sure that there's a place to go and have an experience that's going to be meaningful for both of us. And I think that that makes my relationship stronger. I try to go to game nights with my friends. So I have friends that I play games with as well. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, those things are more important to getting that review done on time. Um, At least a good portion of the time, because if you don't do that stuff, you're going to kind of go a little, off the rails at least in my opinion um so i really try to the, my biggest fight is making sure that there's enough of what makes me happy in my life and i think that that's true for anybody who has a job um you know you have to really you know school is one of those things well don't you do it for the kids you know isn't it the most in it I, yes but <laughs> uh you know fighting for yourself and for your own creative time you know nobody else is going to fight for that except you And so um, maybe I work a little too hard, but I try to make sure that when I'm working a little too hard, it's on things that I wanted to do. So that I at least don't feel bad about that sleepless night because I was doing what meant something to me and not what meant something to somebody else.
0: Yeah. That sounds really great. I mean, you put sometimes or or the neutral response, but I think, I think the answer and just kind of like going through also parallels to what you're saying about, your approach with uh, the podcast and what you're trying to do to not burn out on that. But, you know, by taking those steps at school to, you know, do your work there and to like set kind of like time limits and and boundaries with the club and everything like that. It's just like a lot of work in general, but also a lot of work that's set up in a way that you're managing, managing that like wear and tear and and all that burnout too.
1: Yeah, and I definitely have phases where I don't want to play games, so I read. Mm. You know, just trying to you, you. I just try to make sure that I'm doing something that's good for me.
0: And that's that's funny because I well, part of the reason that I wanted to like work on this podcast and explore some of these conversations is maybe, uh, probably not necessarily the the historical uh, lens that you work more in because I well. If I were to ask you questions about, like incorporating history into games and everything like that, well, that would just be a lost cause for anyone that's trying to pay attention. I could ask some questions, but I couldn't really uh, converse in them. But it's that I wanted to see overlaps in in some of the hobbies, in some of that like personal time uh, for me, and and just explore uh, some of those connections so that I I don't. Feel like as bad if I'm not playing uh, some of the like the heavy games that I like purchase with the intent of playing over and over again because I don't have like the brain space for or playing a video game even that's like potentially a little more draining than than another one. Um, but
1: yeah, although Baldur's Gate three is calling me so hard right now, and I'm trying so hard to be good until at least the weekend.
0: <laughs> I uh, well, I, I do have a question later on on kind of uh, some video games that are the ones that you'll you'll go to. And I feel like Baldur's Gate would be one that could wrap me in. But my I fall into like spurts. Well, we'll get to that. I don't want to get too ahead of myself. But <laughs> none, nonetheless, it is like I do want to kind of like check out uh, those connections. And, and part of this conversation, too, is just thinking about kind of like the mind space Uh, for things that are a little bit more difficult or a little heavier, because I think uh, the work that you're doing with your podcast is probably a little bit more heavy uh, in multiple senses of the word than a lot of the other content that is out there, too. With that said, the next question is, uh, given ample time, energy, and ideal conditions overall, I prefer to play quote-unquote, heavier games as opposed to lighter games.
1: That is true. However, I do not like heavy games for the sake of heaviness, and I would prefer a lighter game that says something interesting over a heavier game that's just heavy. Um, The reason I gravitate towards heavy games is not because they're heavy intrinsically. Uh, It is because that tends to be where most historical games that are really trying to say something about history currently are. And actually, that's something I personally would like to see change. I think you can make some really interesting points about history in games that are not quite so chunky. Uh, But um, for me, and this is actually, I think, one of the reasons my content has evolved the way that it has over time. Um, I do not like reviewing games to just say, oh, I like it or I don't like it. Oh, it's fun. Let me talk about this mechanism. And like, there's, I absolutely watch reviews like that. There's a place where I listen to conversations about that when I listen to a board game podcast. But I don't like to talk about that. It makes me feel... Um, I don't know how to explain it. It just makes me feel like I'm not offering enough personally. Like I'm that way, and like even though I don't feel that way about other people's stuff, <laughs> um, you know. For and I, I want my games to offer me the same thing. I want something that's grippier than just oh, this is a neat little set of interlocking mechanisms. How cool! I like that for a short period of time, but I need something grippier to feel really, really engaged and to stick with something for a longer period of time. Um, and so it doesn't necessarily mean the game itself has to be heavy, but I want the game to give me something to think about uh, that isn't just the game. I need it to be more than the game. And so actually my least favorite phrase is, oh, it's just a game. Like what? Um, no, thank you. Uh, I, first of all, I don't think anything is just anything because I'm a historian and I'm an academic and we are irritating in that particular regard. But, <laughs> but um, you know, my games are never just that to me. And the games that stay in my collection are a little bit more. They're making statements. They're connecting me to something interesting. They create a specific emotional experience or interaction that I think says something interesting about people or human nature or history. Um, and so, you know, for me, it's, it's less about weight of mechanic and more about weight of thought of topic.
0: Yeah, that's, that's great. And, and kind of what I was just saying before is, you know, that the question was phrased in a way, given ample time, energy and ideal conditions overall, I, I feel like you, well, I know that you do a lot better job of making the time and energy and those conditions uh, to become realized, because that's definitely one of the things that I struggle with is I have kind of, well, behind me, this was my quote, unquote, war chest and they're not war games they're just like all historical games that's a good friend over there (laughs) um they're all in (laughs) there and they that's probably the one part of my collection that gets touched the least which is saying something because i don't there's a lot of things that don't don't get played as much as i want them to but i think everybody can well not everybody people that have too many games like myself um can sympathize with a little bit
1: oh no that's true for me too i always (laughs) want to play more than i can uh i do as much as i can but there's limits always um i i would love it if high school teachers had sabbatical because i would go on sabbatical and and i still wouldn't do as much as i wanted but i do a lot more than i can do now
0: (laughs) i know it's it's weird speaking of that i mean i especially with all the other things that you're uh doing and i'm not going to get into you know people talking bad about like teachers or you have know, the summer's off type of stuff. But I feel like last summer I did not this past one, but last summer I did like so much gaming. I mean, I track my plays. I try to make sure that I am like actually you know, relatively conscientiously buying stuff and, and using it. And I don't know, there's something about this my most recent summer where, I mean, I work, I teach summer school too. So it's like, I work over the summer as well and do other things but i just didn't play like hardly as maybe maybe half of the plays that i got in last year not just uh, number of plays but duration and i don't know i don't know what the reason is behind that
1: yeah, I mean, I'm actually about to have a terrifying summer next summer, because it'll be the first one in a long time I'm not teaching summer school. And it's not because I'm financially ready not to do it. It's because my parents said, we are going to Portugal. And if you buy your ticket, you can stay with us in the Airbnb and hang out in Portugal for two weeks. And I decided that money is less important than going to Portugal for two weeks. And I may I may yet regret that. Um, <laughs> but probably not, because you only live once, right? But, you know, um, first of all, people who complain about teacher pay, we're paid across 12 months for 10 months of work. So stop it. Uh, two, you need a break from your kids. Think about how desperate you were to send them back during quarantine. And uh, and three, most teachers do work in the summer of some kind. Um, so basically, I'll be going on a trip to Portugal and then I'm going to be working like an animal on my channel. Because every time I get a chance, that's what I do.
0: That trip, yeah, trip to Portugal, especially with family, that sounds sounds like a very valid reason to take take a year break from summer school
1: yeah i mean i think that you just have to do what's right for you um and that can mean making memories with your parents while everybody is still in good health and while everybody can travel and you know i mean this is this is the time to do that stuff so
0: that's cool well i hope that that trip winds up being like good safe and fun and Providing a lot of experiences for you and your family, and then also, I like anything that's kind of experiential. I would have to assume for you, like how that's going to kind of tie back into you know your gaming, your designing, uh, your like history study, and everything like that too.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, I've I've loved travel for a long time. When I was in graduate school, I did archaeology in Egypt and. You know, I've gotten to go a lot of really cool places and do a lot of cool stuff. I get the itch to go somewhere every couple of years. I just cannot not go places. So, uh, you know, it's it'll be really cool. And I'm I'm gonna be looking for Roman stuff and museums and like funky churches and stuff to look at. I don't really know what my parents will think of this, but <laughs> you know, we've never traveled internationally together as a family, and so it'll be really intriguing to like see what they want to do versus what i want to do and i'm of course old enough to go off on my own and do what i want and they won't care so it'll be kind of a fun mix of uh of what we all wanted to do and and things i had to slip off and do on my own so I'm, i've never been afraid to travel alone i game alone i have traveled alone on many occasions and really enjoyed it um you know i think that actually one of the one of the reasons i ended up having the nerve to do things like play games by myself i think uh people feel often embarrassed to do things alone But my first trip abroad was to Germany. I did the Goethe Institute for two months in Berlin. And I had a great time. It's freaking great. But everybody talked about, let's take the train and go to Paris for a weekend. Because we don't know when we'll be back. And every single person backed out of that trip. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go anyway. I don't know when I'm going to go back. And I eventually did get to go back and spend more time in Paris. Thank goodness. But um, I didn't know that at the time. So I went and I had the best possible quick trip to Paris that anybody could have. And I went by myself and I ate everything I wanted to eat. And I went and saw everything I could possibly see in a day. Just went crazy, met some nice people on the train, um, you know, had a wonderful time. And, you know, from that point, it was like, well, if I want to go see this museum and nobody else wants to go, well, I guess I better go then. Or, oh, I want to try this restaurant near my host mom's place, but nobody wants to go. I think, well, I guess I better go then. Um, And so I think that that attitude that I developed when I was traveling in college uh, has served me really well because you can't wait for other people to want to do stuff that you really want to do or else you might wait forever and miss it
0: yeah that's that's a perfect mantra i maybe that's it, inspiring i was i was listening i i told you right before we started that I was listening to your your podcast with uh Aaron before you know talking to you i was driving and I was listening to that podcast which is what i do and there was there was a i honestly can't think this was an hour ago which is forever ago but there was a level of your conversation that just like wound up being like really inspiring uh, to me. and uh, your talk about travel will maybe inspire me to break out. But you mentioned the cats and it's we've we've got a lot of animals here, so I think I can, well, for better or for worse, I use them as an excuse to to stick around a little bit too much.
1: Honestly, though, my cats are great company. I love those cats. I know that people who don't really have pets, like maybe don't know that they're your, you just love them so much. Like I think about my cats when I'm not home and I think about how much I would like to see them.
0: <laughs> oh, I, I, I I mean, like as an excuse for like bigger trips or even, even if I'm out, I'm like, oh, like, you know, we have cats and dogs and birds and we, we foster, we're fostering a bunny right now so it's it's kind of a mini zoo up in here but yeah there, there are times where we're like oh i'd rather be at home with the cats with the dogs and it's I nice it
1: foster is... a bunny that's so cute
0: <laughs> yeah it's that's great i uh i don't know my my wife really uh kind of like you know pushed for us to you know foster more animals and we got involved with the local organization and we kind of, we should kind of check the box of like, we'll take not weird, but like, most people foster dogs or maybe even kittens, but like, we'll, we'll look at fostering, you know, unusual animals. And, and we got our first call about the bunny. So we've had the bunny for, for about a month now.
1: Oh, I know.
0: But, well, nonetheless, I love I, all the animals.
1: If I owned a house, whew.
0: oh, I know. We, we were about to, we were talking about fostering kittens and and we haven't done that, but we've fostered many dogs. I love, I love my dogs. I love my cats about the same, but I'm like, if we foster kittens, it's going to be, it's going to be a foster failure immediately. And it's not just going to be like one. We're going to have a whole litter of kittens at our house.
1: That's adorable. I, I I really like animals. I think that they're, they're just so uncomplicated to love people disappoint each other and have expectations that they can't meet and all these but like all my animals have to do is sit there and be cute like if they hated me i'd still love them so
0: <laughs> and they could be doing something that's completely like not that cute and it's still cute
1: it's still cute i i can get over the barf
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh poor baby it's like well no.
1: Yeah, you know, I have a beard dragon. Their poops are like nasal napalm. Man, they can clear a rim. But she's still cute. I love her. It's all right.
0: <laughs> my yeah, wait, that's funny. My my wife found like she's she's worked at a school too. This is kind of her first year where she's not uh, going to be working there a ton. She'll still help out. Is at a Montessori school, but they they had a, dra- a beard and dragon that unfortunately uh, just passed at the end of the last school year. But then through another kind of random set of circumstances she uh helped her cousin acquire a bearded dragon so they're, they're they're really fun super cool
1: mookie's been in last year's school picture and in this year's i bring her now to get my picture taken for my id and she's a good sport <laughs>
0: I like that. I'm not going to steal that idea, but I kind of want to now. No,
1: I, I think you should. I'm fully in favor of weird animals. In, I mean, somebody has to be cute in the yearbook picture, and it ain't going to be me. So Mookie has to take that on. <laughs>
0: I'll, I'll look. I'll see. I'll I'll see what I can sneak in. Or, I don't know, it's one of those things. It's like, do I ask for permission? Or, or what's the second part of that phrase? Or Beg forgiveness? For, yeah, whatever. For forgiveness or... Just bring in some animal and take a picture with it
1: definitely just ask for forgiveness later (laughs) all
0: right well again more more inspiration i'm inspired to travel and i'm inspired to bring in animals for for school pictures too okay i had before before i started like thinking about animals too much i had a decent uh, transition to this next one and this is kind of like the second to last uh, strongly agree to disagree and then there's just some kind of like random questions but this <laughs> is I frequently partake in supplementary activities in order to enhance particular gaming experiences so books articles movies podcasts YouTube video essays or or anything like that
1: oh very very frequently always it's just not as good if you can't like i played lisboa and read a book about the earthquake in lisbon I, I went on i didn't get to go on as many much of a war movie kick this summer as i wanted to but i have a whole list of war movies i still want to watch i watched a bunch this summer that was really wild it's fun um i i'm actually less happy if there's not a supplementary activity to do i i want to do the supplementary activity give me something cool um i i feel like games are media and instead of treating them as something separate or like a toy i jokingly refer to my games as toys and like yes they are that but there's something else to you um i think that in consuming your games alongside other kinds of art um is good for you because it's mutually reinforcing and i also think games count as something that goes in those categories so treating them that way is like walking the walk right
0: yeah exactly and kind of Kind of chalk it up into things that I want to do but don't do a good job at. I, I mentioned, you know, some of the historical games that I don't touch as much as I want. But, you know, you know, a lot of times, the rule books or you know designers, whether it's in the rule book or or online, will mention some of the uh, the reading that they did as research for it. And I I always like tell myself that I want to do that more. I I do think I, you know, lean more literature. Uh, than than history and nonfiction so one of the things that I've initially when I got into the hobby of well, the hobby of board gaming was seeing well seeing more was out there and the game you know Nemo's War came across my you know face for the first time and I'm like, oh that's really interesting and I hadn't read, 20,000 leagues under the sea. So I just kind of gave myself an excuse to, well, both read the book and buy a brand new game. And that kind of like kickstarted in me, this desire to like find some of those connections too, even though I probably don't do as much as I do want, but I, I, I think, as you mentioned, having the games be a part of that uh, discussion and being uh, a piece of media within the, you know, Uh, academic space or or any of those spaces is something that can only enhance the experience for sure
1: yeah I'm also just terrible at categories like you mentioned you're more of a literature than history person I to me there's like very little like it's all mutually reinforcing I'll read some historical fiction about Renaissance Italy and then I'll read a biography of Machiavelli I will you know I like it all together in a big pot Um, And I sort of feel like English and history as subjects are really not that separated because if you're reading something that's from the past, you have to understand its context. And so much of history is reading through things like fiction and picking out what you can learn about daily life from that material that was never written with that intention. Um, So, you know, it all bleeds in the end together.
0: Yeah, I, I think I like make that distinction more out of a kind of a sense of inadequacy. Like, I just, I don't want to I don't know. I mean, there's so many things that I like. Wish I could do more of, or, or be better at, and whether that's things in control or out of control. And I just, I don't think I can like deem myself much of a, a historical person, even if I like try to, you know, consume more, you know, nonfiction or fiction within uh, that's meant to be a reflection of a period of time or anything like that. I just, I don't know. I can't maybe come to terms with not separating those categories if that makes sense
1: yeah but there's no card for who gets to do history and who doesn't there's only like who's history is not about having specific content knowledge i mean yeah it is but it's all it's about asking the right kinds of questions and a lot of people can do that
0: yeah that's that's a really good way to put it too and i mean again, like you said same with literature like if you're if you're not asking the right questions of of the literature then it's probably only going to be uh surface level too Okay. Final. Strongly agree to strongly uh, disagree. Though this is this is the this is the lob. This is the softball. I am an om- <laughs> omni gamer.
1: That is absolutely true. Strongly agree. Um, I like to talk about very weighty games in terms of the stuff that I make, but I will one hundred percent play anything. Dexterity games. Uh, times up um you know i like party games i like card games i like basically anything i don't like auction games very much but it's because i'm bad at money um, <laughs> but uh i i really really enjoy a wide variety of games and i you know it's also true for books by the way like i'll read anything from like bodice ripper to philosophy uh with very little like i just life short i'm hungry i want to do it all and that's true of gaming for me too. Like I will try any experience that is novel and that I think I'm going to
0: like. Yeah. I think I, I think I try to operate in the same way too. I, I wholeheartedly agree with your sentiments. Ooh. Okay. So we're, we're done with those and uh, I've just got some questions. So well, there's, there's a bunch. Let me, let me know if we're starting it. Encroach on like time limits or anything too, and I can, um, I can choose ten minute limit. Ten minute limit. Okay, maybe <laughs> maybe we'll uh, uh, skip this one. Hopefully, hopefully we can do this in the future and have some other things to talk about too. But here, I've got a little bit. I'll skip ahead. So we we talked a little bit about what your channel, uh, specifically your podcast, is doing to like dive into the possibilities for the types of discussions that board games can create. Uh, is there anything like further that you want to comment on regarding uh, your channel's goals uh, regarding board game-based discussions? Maybe considering kind of like what you've done and what you might uh, be interested in doing?
1: Ooh. I think that it's really hard to talk about what your goal is when you're as instinctive about it as I am. But I will say I do have the goals of, okay, so my podcast, yeah, I talk to a lot of academics and I like to do a lot of research, right? But the goal of the podcast is to make other people feel like they're joining me in a conversation. It's not about look at this fancy thing I found. It's about, this is a conversation and you're part of the conversation too. And here's like some other ways to access other parts of that, of that chat. Um, I feel that way about war games too. Like my, my content has taken a huge turn for the war and historical, and that is because I want other people to feel comfortable and feel able to appreciate, um, what that segment of the hobby has to offer. Uh, I feel like a lot of what I do is an invitation to others to play with me. Um, and you know, my hope is that that will continue. Right. And that's of course, continuing very literally now because, You'll get a sense of me, I think, in the designs that of my play in coming years. Uh, so Night Witches with David Thompson is, of course, might gonna be my first published game, but I have other projects that I'm working on that I hope will bear fruit in the next couple of years. So I'm definitely very active in that part of my life. And so, you know, I um my goal right is to keep the conversation going. And find other ways to make it happen. So the podcast is a set of conversations, uh, but I also think that gaming is communication, and so I'm trying to figure out new ways to talk to people, to bring them into the stuff that I think is cool, so that they'll think it's cool too. I mean, that's why I'm a teacher, right? Like. There's nothing better than teaching kids about, like, even if it's just something horrible, like like Gaia and Uranus, like the, the myth, it's like, oh, Gaia had a son, then she married him. But like, I tell the kids this in Latin and watching them know the Latin well enough to hear what I said and have a big like WTF moment is so satisfying. <laughs> like, I want people to be able to communicate with me, right? And so, you know, I make the channel and I'm making games and I'm making all these things so that we can all engage so we can all participate so I want to keep being an on-ramp for people um, wherever they're at
0: uh, that's awesome and you you just like left a really distinctive like picture in my head of like that slow kind of gears clicking in, in the students as they're yeah they're if I can't
1: if I can't traumatize them like what's the point right <laughs> exactly
0: <laughs> I don't know if this is something you would do uh, but what is an interview that you feel would be difficult to have, whether that's uh, any particular reason, I- ideological differences, maybe it'd just be improbable of like getting to talk to that particular person that you would be interested in having?
1: Ew. um, There is basically at this point, no conversation that I'm afraid to have. Uh, I do i kind of see this from a different angle like basically anything that interests anything that draws my interest i'm gonna do it i'm in um and i my podcast is very much that i worry the most about making sure that the interviews that i do have are productive and so when i think about things like oh ideological differences i don't really care if i have an ideological difference with somebody that i'm interviewing i do care whether the conversation can be productive and so, you know, what am I broadcasting? What am I legitimizing through my outlet? And what meaning did this conversation have? So I don't ever think about it in terms of like, would it be hard technically to technically do? Or like, would it be hard personality wise to do? Because, you know, that's the joy of being an interviewer is you meet a bunch of different people and you see what you can do. Uh, but I do think a lot about where my personal interests and the responsibility I have as a person who has a podcast that some people apparently actually listen to, uh, you know, where do those things meet and where are the limits?
0: Yeah. And I think, I think kind of like, I mean, in, in hindsight, just the way that you were talking about that last question and how, you know, your goals are to be, you know, conversational and make it feel like other people are part of that conversation with you. If you were going to have something that you didn't feel uh, was going to be Productive in the first place, it probably just wouldn't really fit in that frame as well either. Too. Yeah, it's about right. Okay, cool. Well, we'll we'll start easing out. But one of the things I was thinking, so we were kind of talking about, you know, trying to balance uh, different things. That idea of things that potentially are difficult or or heavier for one reason or another. Uh, but I was just kind of reflecting on this thought when when being younger. I was maybe like a hair uh, too judgmental when, you know, people say that they like watch things that are, you know, silly fun, stupid fun or just kind of like decompressing, you know, family watching dancing with the stars or, or The Bachelor or something like that. I was maybe, maybe not there. And I'm not saying I'm not sure if I'm like 100% there for those anyway. But what do you deem kind of like your your board gaming? like guilty pleasure maybe that's not the best term but something that's just kind of like quicker uh perhaps even more silly and and fun
1: oh honestly video games are probably my guilty pleasure i i have to be careful about how many of them i play and how much because i can fall into that hole fast um i probably racked up Two hundred and fifty hours of Skyrim while writing my dissertation back in the day, because I, I would get up and I would do my work, you know, and then I had a reward, and that was Skyrim. And my boyfriend would laugh because he'd leave for work and he'd come back, and I had like barely moved, same spot, you know, still playing. And so I, I love the easiness of picking up a video game and just playing it because unlike a board game, there's very little like onboarding, right? You just start and like you'll figure it out. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh so for me that's my guilty pleasure is just easing into a world that's like going to work however it works and i can interact and i don't have to be part of the rule set i only have to be a participant
0: yeah so uh, do you have a like a more recent video game that you feel would kind of fall into that one that you you've been like slipping into like that guilty pleasure
1: Oh, I can tell you what it's going to be. It's going to be Baldur's Gate 3. Um, <laughs> I've been really I've been really good, actually, with my video game playing recently. I've played three games that I've actually reviewed for my channel because I feel like there's lots of ways to go beyond solitaire. Um, I absolutely lost it over how great Pentium it was recently. What a great game. Um, you play a medieval artist solving mysteries, but it's about so much more than that. It's about art, history, how we tell stories about ourselves, uh, the bonds you create in a small town, uh, what it means to be an artist who's successful. Uh, it's really a very special game. I've thought very, very highly of it. Um, and it moved me a lot. I cried at the end of the game. It was great. Um, but now I'm going to just throw things off cliffs and like set things on fire for a <laughs> while. <laughs>
0: <Good>. <laughs> I I really like that you started doing uh, the video games. I must have missed that one that you mentioned. I don't know how, but uh, when you did Midnight Suns, that was I, I don't know how, but that was the first time i I heard about midnight suns and well and one of the questions which which hopefully if we you know can talk again in the future can maybe dive into a little bit more was about like dialogue in video games a little bit and and my thoughts on midnight suns kind of spurred that question too but that's that's like an intriguing game uh that has has some kind of like you know uh, board game card play elements to it mix in with the dialogue and the rpg elements but i didn't get super far into that one because that was well perhaps even a bit too much for my guilty pleasure all summer was uh rogue legacy Two. go in <laughs> hop around and and shoot stuff with arrows so
1: sounds wholesome i like it
0: yeah it's good it's uh, I the roguelites and things like that those are those are the ones that will just like hook me and I can just sit down I'll play you know something a little bit more thinky and then it's like well back back to Rogue Legacy 2 and not that it's not thinking in any way but I I fell into Hades hard I think that's a fantastic game
1: but, oh yeah that was on the to-do list for me oh
0: yeah <laughs> it's and it's so well made and and when I say that it's like you know, lighter, it's not, it's, there's so much going on. There's so much that you can think about, but just kind of the more of the play patterns, I guess, is what I mean for that, that you can just fall into and watch friends repeat. If Once, once you play that one, you'll have to let me know what you think. that's, it's a lot of people's favorites. And I think it's, I think it fantastic.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay, cool. Well, this is going to be my final question in general, but uh, anything that has been on your mind that you've been playing, watching, reading, listening to, or kind of consuming it anyway. That you want to give like a quick recommendation to.
1: Ooh, okay. So I mentioned Pentiment. That's the thing I'm making everybody do right now. It's so good. It's so good. Um. Ooh. Have I read anything really great recently? I'm in a bit of a book dry spell. But I, not that I haven't been reading, but I haven't read anything that just really caught me. But um, my best read of the past year was Babel by our um by uh rf kuang and i thought it was great so she's the author of the poppy war okay uh but Babel, it, you know it can be a little heavy-handed it's like a narrative on colonialism and academia and language but i also thought that she deeply captured the agony of being entranced by academia but also knowing that it's bad for you and i think that every academic of every stripe has experienced it um and it Really like her thoughts on language and translation were also really fun. I really enjoyed it tremendously.
0: That sounds that sounds really fascinating. That that's going to get added to the Goodreads want to want to read like right now. Do it. You will not regret (laughs) it. It was really good. (laughs) Uh, I do this thing where I like I'll start like four or five books at once, and I don't I like won't touch one for a year. And sometimes I can remember what's going on actually probably say most of the time. I can like read two pages back. I'm like, oh, okay, we're good, and then go. But the times when it doesn't work out, it's like, well, I wasted like 200 pages on, on this book. I'm not sure if it's the best process, but...
1: It's never a waste. And also, you should never be sorry to DNF things. Like, You don't have to continue with things that you don't like. Life is short.
0: That's true. Well, it's, it's not even like not finishing them for desire. It's just the way I operate, which <laughs> who knows? Who knows if that's a...
1: If you, you really wanted it, thing. it would happen. It's okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay, well, cool. There are so many things that we got to talk about. I, I think, like I mentioned, there's a couple things that we skipped over that I would love uh, to talk about in the future, but nonetheless, especially with your designs, uh, you, know, you mentioned uh, Night Witches, which, I mean, didn't even really talk about a ton, and I know that you've talked about it a lot uh, on your channel, which is why I didn't want to bring it up too much, but uh for anybody that's listening to this when uh like I guess whenever that comes out process wise uh what are what's the timetable for that
1: oh god I don't know the ask okay. ask Kevin uh, okay. from Fort circle no it's sometime next year
0: hopefully okay. All right oh yeah I I listened to that podcast so Perfect. Well, sometime next year, look out for uh, Night Witches. And also, I'm really excited to hear more about the other things that you're kind of like working on as well. Um, and and maybe that will create new conversations, well, for us or or just for other people uh, to listen to with you talking to other people on your podcast as well.
1: I very much hope so. And hey, guys, I'm so happy to be episode three. Uh, I wish you all the best on this podcast. I, uh, I'm very excited see where we'll go in the next year or two years and beyond.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I really appreciate you being here and thank you so much. Thank you. It's been awesome. All right. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Intertextual Cardboard Experience. Feel free to reach out via email, which is bodthepod at gmail.com or check out my Instagram with the same name. There's not much on there right now, but I'm looking forward to working on the Instagram and other forms of social media and a website a little bit more in the future. Until then, keep playing, watching, reading, listening, uh, experiencing. Thank you.